This should be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday. And you know what that means. Finally time for the world famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no holds barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And welcome back. Hour two of two officially underway. Round four of the NFL draft is officially underway. And I'm just absolutely loving every minute of it right here. Inside the beautiful, palatial, and opulent. He's a lot of big words here. Inside the beautiful game studios. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday morning. And more importantly, hopefully, you're out there gearing up for another great just Saturday filled with the NFL draft, MLB baseball, LSU baseball, hell, you've even got Festival International, Jazz Fest, Garth Brooks playing in Tiger Stadium. Who'd have thunk it? So many things going on this weekend. I think this is another stupendous weekend for people inside of the greatest state, in my mind, Louisiana. Absolutely loving it here. Hopefully you are as well. And if you're a fan of just, again, the NFL, the baseball side of things, this is this segment's for you. Because we're going to start talking a little bit more about college baseball because we're getting close. We're just climbing ever so closely to the start of, I hate to say crunch time because that's the name of our show from four to six. But we're down to the nitty gritty. Right now, the calendar is going to flip over tomorrow to May. And you know what that means. It means it's time to kind of start getting it done and making sure the haze in the barn before we get to SEC and Sunbelt tournament time for the teams we cover here. And that's LSU and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. LSU, outside of last night's win, loss over, excuse me, Tuesday night's loss to UNO. Last night you beat Georgia, as you heard in the two-minute drill. This is a huge weekend for them because, again, it's a 16th-ranked team. You have a chance to move up in the rankings and, more importantly, get some much-needed RPI help. Because the start of your season, you struggled. You struggled a little bit. You, you lost 2-3 or three to Auburn. You took the series against Florida, which was a great win, especially now retroactively, because that team is ranked pretty highly and touted pretty well. You swept Mississippi State, which I don't think anybody saw coming, especially this guy. You got swept against Arkansas. So like you were three and three there, but you turned it around. And again, you're playing Mizzou, it's kind of expected. But they've been able to start they've been able to start getting hay in the barn when it matters the most. And this series against Georgia is crucial to really ramp up and get yourself towards that next plateau, the next echelon, if you will. Because this team has to I mean, has to 
get it done. It's they have to win this series against Georgia. Then you got Alabama, Ole Miss, and dreaded Vanderbilt. You got to deal with Vanderbilt at the end of the year before the SEC tournament. And again, the SEC tournament in the pulmonary years, especially during those kind of years where LSU was on the fence, basically, of getting into the tournament. Well, not not on the fence of getting into the tournament, but maybe like it'd be the difference between them hosting a region or having to travel over to Asia to go play in Oregon, play a team in Oregon, like Oregon State. That's basically what it's been. And I haven't necessarily looked a whole lot at RPI because I'm I'm not one of those scoreboard watchers like that. I cannot deal with that. But when you're LSU, your RPI is going to be helped a lot more. And I've talked about it before. It's going to be helped a lot more by getting these regular season series wins against SEC opponents. They struggled a little bit in that classic in the Shriners College Classic before SEC play started, but at the same time, they still were able to kind of right the ship. And now we're in month of May. This team's going to have to start getting a little bit better. And there's a chance I think this team does indeed get a regional host. I think they do get into that spot. They're going to be a regional host in my mind. It just depends on how you are in these final three or four series before we get in the SEC tournament. Because then I think your hay largely is in the barn, but a couple wins against, let's say, a Vanderbilt or Arkansas or Florida, a win against one of those teams could be the difference between you being a regional host or having to travel out in the West Coast or something. That's what you have to kind of deal with if you're LSU. And I'm hopeful that's not the case. And they could play at Alec Box Stadium in the first year under, under Jay Johnson. Guys like Jacob Berry have stepped up a lot. Mikhail Hilliard has looked good. Now, mind you, there's been some issues with the team here and there, but I'm not necessarily going to go into a deep diatribe about, about that. You know, Blake Money, he hasn't necessarily been there as much now. Obviously, injuries and stuff kind of slowed him down. A little bit. He's two and three on the year, on in ten appearances and ten starts. So like he hasn't necessarily gotten the win loss record, but his ERA is a little high. Your relievers are are pretty solid though. I think for the most part you've been able to kind of get things done. Again, Mikhail Hilliard has been your guy. He's been your ace, and he's proven it. Five and zero oh on the year. He's been getting it. He's been getting it done a lot more. Ty Freud has been kind of, eh. I mean, there's not been a real true number two that you can just truly, you know, bank on being that guy. You've had to rely a lot more on the gorilla ball. And trust me, it's worked out in the past, and I think it's working out here now. Because you got a lot of guys that are batting well above that line. Tyler McManus, who had a mammoth shot the other night, this guy is 265, and he's right smack dab in the middle of where your stats are right now as of April 29th. Like, after last night, you don't have – you have, like, I'd say Alex Malazzo, 
Luke Leto, and Drew Bianco. Those three guys are the only ones batting below 200. I'm not even going to bring up Will Safford. K below, so he's he's been hurt. So it's like I can't necessarily – he only had three – he only played three games, so I can't necessarily put that on him. But in terms of your a lot of your everyday guys, they've been hitting around 300. 300, 280, 270. You have Gavin Dugas out there batting 295. You've been seeing some really good like offensive output from this team. And that's what you need if you're going to get over that hump and more importantly get into a SEC tournament with a lot of momentum. You're 11-8 right now. It's not necessarily the best record you could have, but it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not like you're like a few years ago where that team was hovering around a little bit around 500. Like you look at the teams over the last few years that the LSU has had, SEC play has been the biggest part of their downfall and why they've had to more often not travel. Again, I'm still Kevin Foot phrase here, so excuse me, travel over to Asia to go play against teams like a Oregon State. You know, 2019, they were 17 and 13. But if you're able to keep this momentum rolling and get a huge win, series win over Georgia, number one, number two, if you sweep, things look a lot better. Cajuns baseball, on the other hand, they've still got some work to do. They've still got some work to do. I'll admit it. I think this Cajuns team has a really good shot at not securing home field advantage, not securing a number, like a top seed in the tournament because I think Texas State, you're dealing with them in two weeks from now, and that's a huge series. That is a massive series against Texas State because you win that, I think you win the West, and the West has been very much a like birthright to a certain extent for the Bobcats, or excuse me, for the Cajuns. The Bobcats are really the only true threat to that. And this Cajuns team, they have really – Step their game up in conference play. Haven't really the only series that they've really stumbled in was the first one against Troy. Yes, they stumbled against Southern Miss, but at the end of the day, it's Southern Miss, and it's a future SEC a Sunbelt West opponent that you're going to be dealing with. But you're not dealing with them now. I love what I've seen from them against Georgia Southern, Arkansas State. They got it done against. ULM, they, they, they took two out of three that hurt their RPI. But even then, you swept Georgia State. You've, you've done what you needed to do. And I think they can win this series against App State with ease. So I'm hopeful things can turn around. And more importantly, things can shift for this team to maybe have that big series in San Marcos go their way. If not, you're going to have to work hard in that Sunbelt Conference tournament. It's going to be fun to see how that team responds. I've been getting conversations with Miguez off air, and he's mentioned to me the fact that the Saint, that the Cajuns, excuse me, like there's a chance where there's four, where there's three Sun Belt Conference teams that are going to make the postseason. That's wild to think about because I've talked about it a lot. It's it felt like a rarity that the Sun Belt Conference is going to get more than one in in any of the sports outside of football. But baseball is the one where I think a lot of the bread is buttered. And there's always a really good chance 
you need but the thing is you need to have somebody that can really like secure an outright at large bid. Texas State could have a very distinct possibility of doing that. The Cajuns, if they keep the way they've been playing, if they keep the momentum pushing forward, it's a distinct possibility. You're still playing Rice in a few weeks before the tournament. You're playing Rice in a two-game set on like Tuesday and Wednesday of May 10th and 11th. That could help out your RPI. But you've got to start moving things forward. You got to start pushing forward. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it's all going to look for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns because they're a team that has gotten better year over year. And they've really shown that it took a little while. Don't get me wrong. It took a little while because 2020, it was an up and down. Season got ended early due to the COVID. 2021, it was still like you were trying to figure it out. 2022, I think everything's starting to come together. Carson Rockefort's looking fantastic. You've got Tyler Robertson. He's performing at an all-sun belt level. This team is starting to stack up, and I think they're really starting to show why there was a lot of preseason hype surrounding them, why there was a lot of talk about them being a really good team. And I'm never a guy that's going to like buy into the hype, especially when you hear it from guys in the system. But I like what I've seen over the last couple of weeks. It's been a step in the right direction. And at the end of the day, if you're the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, that's what you need. That's what you want, right, is just some consistency. And you want to be able to get to the very top of your profession. And winning the Sunbelt Conference Championship, in my mind, that's the way the Cajuns are going to have to go. You can't necessarily hope against hope that the RPI gods are going to be in your favor, especially in the Sunbelt Conference. No knock against them. It's just there is a pecking order. And we know probably damn near half, if not three-quarters, of the SEC is going to get into the tournament in early June. But what else, how is everything else going to shake out? Same thing with Cajun softball. Cajun softball has gotten better as the season has progressed. They've done what they needed to do to win series. But that's what they've done. They've just won series. Haven't necessarily had a outright dominant performance, a series sweep where they just absolutely were molly whopping them. They're going to have fun in the in the Sun Belt tournament, I think. And they probably will wind up winning, boring. I think maybe Texas State could play spoiler. Coastal Carolina, possibly. But I'm wanting to see how that team pans out. I want to see how it works. For softball, but baseball, baseball is going to be tough for them to kind of get past that red rope. Even if there's a chance where three teams get in, I feel like unless the Cajuns win the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, they are going to be on the outside looking in. All right, let's take a quick time out. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Let's get into some Pelicans talk next. Right here. Back after this. After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. 
more. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more Under the Dome with CD right now on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hopefully you're having a good one so far. And I got to say, if you want to call us up, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. Got Mike Neighbors. He'll be coming on in about seven or eight minutes. But I got to say, if you haven't entered in the game clubhouse yet, I don't know what the hell you're waiting for. We got all kinds of great stuff. You heard us talk about the Astros we can get away, Richard Seafood Patio, but also if you want to go out to Cypress Bayou Casino Hotel, we got a chance for you to score a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, one of the best damn restaurants I think in the entire state. It is fantastic. And again, I'm talking about steak, getting hungry. It's getting around noonish, getting a little hungry. But I'm trying to just, just kind of satiate myself for a little bit more. Talk about food on live reads, the hungrier I get. And again, I, I, I hate to make things about myself, but I'm down about 11 and a half pounds in the last like almost three weeks. I'm starting to make steps. I, I bent a little bit earlier this week when I'm going to B dubs with RP3 and company. Literally, it was me, Ray, Lewis, Hannah, five names, and our TV's Dylan all went out to eat. And I kind of had to, I cheated a little bit. Like I, I didn't have any fries, so I made a, I made a really good step in the right direction, but still down about eleven and a half pounds. And talking about all this food, I'm not necessarily going to eat it. But if you want to have a hundred and fifty dollar gift certificate to Mister Lester's Steakhouse, go out to the clubhouse at one hundred three seven game dot com or one hundred three seven game dot com and sign up today. Make sure you go do that today. Seriously, get out and go do it. Let's go ahead and get out to the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Got some callers calling in. Let's get the conversation going. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Good morning, Mr. World Famous. How are you doing today? Mr. Jamie, I'm doing fantastic, brother. The Saints Saints listen to me for once, so that's a good thing. Number two, it's a Saturday. Absolutely love it. I'm here inside the game studios. How are you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing all right. Just living the dream. Got to take care of stuff around the house. You know how that goes. Oh, yeah. So, Trust uh, me, I know. <laughs> Look, man, I just got a couple of things to say. First of all, congratulations on uh, the the time slot move. Uh, I know that, you know, you've been moved around some, but I think that'll be a good slot for you, and you're going to – you're going to do all right. And unfortunately you won't be able to sleep as late, but on the bright side, you'll get to go home early and get to bed earlier. Right? I'm used to it. I'm used to it. <laughs> Second of all, congratulations on the weight loss. Just remember if you ain't cheating, you're not trying, right? <laughs> oh, trust me. I know in the words of the late great Eddie Guerrero, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Trust me. I, I definitely know. <laughs> Look, I got to say, the Saints have been doing really well with the draft. Uh, they, like you said, they listen to their people for a change. And I, I you know, I'm even though I'm a Bucks fan first, I really do like the Saints, and I'm I'm excited to see what they're going to do, especially with Chris Olave in there at uh, wide receiver. You know, whether that's opposite of uh, of uh, 
13 or not, you know, uh, he's going to be a good fit. And then, uh, you know, Jameis is just going to get better and better as well. And I got to say, though, I think the, the team is doing the best in this draft. And I hate to say it, the New York Jets. So, you know, uh, Louis Prejean's got to be excited, right? Oh, I'm almost certain he's probably like a kid in a candy store right now. And I'm sure he's going to be in a really good mood. Like, as he's, because I know he's out there about to get ready to go back over to the West Coast and be the lone Jets fan in the state of California. Then again, I don't know if they're a fan of football, the way they don't show up really to Chargers games and really kind of sort of with, with Rams games. But that's a different conversation. I, I love what they've the Saints have done with this draft. Chris Olave, I think he's without a doubt going to be your wide receiver too alongside Slant Boy. I'm using Slant Boy as a term of endearment at this point because, again, I love Michael Thomas, what he does, what he brings to the table. And I think with Jameis Winston, that Slant Boy moniker is still going to be with him for a little bit. But I think with him in there, and now it's Carmichael kind of running this entire show, I, there's no way he's going to be used as a slant guy. Because Jameis Winston, one of the things that I noticed a lot in the time that he was playing before the injury, he loves to throw the deep ball a lot more than I think Drew Brees. And also he has the ability to do so. He doesn't have a dead arm. I think we see Michael Thomas be more of an explosive wideout as the season progresses. And having Chris Olave, having Marquez Calloway, who did really well in his rookie campaign, having those guys, having that that three man nucleus, it's going to be a really fun offense in twenty twenty two. And let's not forget, Jameis got really accurate with that long ball after that LASIK surgery. Exactly. So all those uh, Jameis Winston haters out there, I said this on this the third show. All you Jameis haters out there. Y'all don't want him anymore. Send him back to my Bucks. We'll take him in a heartbeat. And speaking, so anyway. of, speaking of those Jets, speaking of those Jets, I just saw this pop up. We, you bring up the Jets. It's almost perfect timing, serendipitous, if you will. We talk about a UL grad and Louis Prejean. Well, we got another UL grad joining those J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets in Max Mitchell, offensive lineman, making the trek over to New York with the hundred and eleventh. Overall pick, Max Mitchell, a phenomenal offensive lineman for the program, now off the board. Jamie, thank you so much for calling in, my man. We'll talk to you later. All right, man. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. All right. That was fantastic stuff. Mr. Jamie on the program, as usual. But great to see former Raging Cajun star getting picked up to protect Zach Wilson. And about the, the Jets have actually had a really good draft. I think it helps with the matter. They, they've been able to just – just not be stupid, not screw up too much. They haven't done really a whole hell of a lot to screw up, and things have fallen to them in the right spot. You've got Sauce Gardner, by the way, five-star name right there, S-tier worthy, really good player. Garrett Wilson at Ohio State, the other Buckeye that I think the Saints had their eye on. Jermaine Johnson, again, they had three first-round picks. It's hard to bleep up something like that. So the New York Jets, to Jamie's point, have done a really good job getting some good players. Jermaine Johnson, defensive end. Brace Hall, that is going to be a really good pickup for them. I think that the running back core needed a lot of help because, I mean, they didn't have too much with LaMichael P. Ryan. Things just didn't pan out all that well. They had other needs, but Joe Douglas loves with the guys with those measurables. Dude had a 4.3 in the 40. So damn good stuff there. Jamie Ruckert, tied in out of the Ohio State University. And then you add on Max Mitchell. Love to see that. Congrats to the young man. 
definitely more than deserves that. It's it's again, it's always great to see things like that go down. I mean, you know, this guy from Monroe, Louisiana. Now he's getting from Arkansas south up to all the way in the Big Apple. Fantastic news. Congratulations again to him. Can't wait to see how he pans out and works out in the NFL with the New York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. And Percy Butler, he's actually going to the Washington Commanders with the 113th overall pick per friend of the program, you know, Jordan Schultz. So, yeah, can't wait to see how he does with that franchise. You know, another former Cajun, Tracy Walker, He's done really well with the Detroit Lions. I think we could see the same. There's a good chance where we see that happen. So, yeah, nothing. Yeah, now it's official. I think Percy Butler, this coming from, again, Jordan Schultz of the Four Letter Network, good friend of the program. Haven't had him on a while. Maybe I'll get him on not too far down the road. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Let's go ahead and take a quick timeout because we've got Mike Neighbors. He'll be joining the program. We were going to talk some Pelicans, but, you know, conversation wants to shift over to the Jets and the NFL draft. I am all the way freaking here for it. Because why the heck not? Why not love something like that? Let's go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll be back with Mike Neighbors talking some Saints and the NFL draft with him next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station back after this. Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are that. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back to Yep. Yep. Welcome back. There we go. Technical issues have been resolved. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Live yet and a 1041 Lake Charles. And the picks are coming in fast and furious. The Cajuns flying off the board. Kind of resetting it real quick. With Percy Butler heading to the Washington Commanders. That is now official. Talking about Jordan Schultz of the Four Letter Network. He talked about it a little bit earlier. He kind of broke that news first. So great to hear two Cajuns getting drafted. Like virtually back-to-back. 111 and 113. Back to almost back to back, two straight Cajuns coming off the board. Again, Jets getting a steal in Max Mitchell. Percy Butler is going to be a damn good player for those Washington Commanders. Trying to get used to saying that, by the way. Trying to get used to saying that. But enough about the NFL draft league wide. Let's get down to brass tacks and talk about those New Orleans Saints with our next guest. The last time I saw this guy, last time I talked to this guy. It was over in downtown Lafayette, part of a book signing he had. It was fantastic. Just the event was so much fun to be a part of. 
and that is Mike Neighbors, the founder of Neighbors Media, the media group. First off, Mike, how you been, man? And number two, have you recovered from all those book signings you've been having over the last couple of months? <laughs> yeah, it was a great run. I really appreciate your help with that. Uh, but, yeah, it's been fun, and uh, we, uh, we're we doing some new projects. We're going to do an audio book coming up and uh, some other uh, kind of extensions of it. But if uh, your audience hadn't heard, it's, the, it's a book about Drew Brees, The Brees Way, all my interviews with him over the years, and really appreciate your help when I came into town. It meant a lot. Hey, anytime, man, anytime you know you, you come on this show, I'm willing to help you out any way possible whenever the next <laughs> book does inevitably drop from the Neighbors Media Group because I'm sure you, you you got the itch to maybe make another one, right? Absolutely, yeah. I'm uh, doing a, a new book. Uh, we'll talk about that down the road, but uh, I'm doing some speaking now, and it's more of a motivational book. But uh had to do the book on Drew because – we had a unique relationship and interviewed him after every game for so long. And I didn't want to look back and say, you know, I wish I would have wrote that book three years ago. So I'm glad we were able to, to release that back in December. I'm sure a lot of people are the same way as well. I know I am. Cause I've been, I enjoyed the book once you gave it to me, read it, definitely some fantastic stuff right there. But what's been fantastic is what the saints have done in this NFL draft so far. I mean, they've got two picks left in the fifth and the sixth round. By the time I go off air, maybe they'll have traded up somewhere, or better yet, they wind up just sticking where they're at. But what have you thought about this draft so far, getting Chris Olave, Trevor Pinning, and Alante Taylor, who I think honestly was that like safety school pick, that last one, more because I think the safety they wanted got snatched up right from under their noses. I think they've done a great job. I'm always hesitant to grade drafts. I mean, I remember after the 2017 draft, I was thinking, you know, Lattimore's going to be a great player, but, boy, I don't know about Ramchick. Uh, you know, I didn't know about that pick at all. Nobody knew about Kamara. I mean, nobody really knew about Marcus Williams or Trey Hendrickson. So I think what's exciting about this draft is we think we we know these guys, and they're going to help the Saints right away. And, and you know, they definitely address their needs. I love the aggressiveness about trading up to get Alave. And, you know, he looks to be the most well-rounded wide receiver in the draft. I mean, not only a guy that can get downfield and is fast, but he runs good routes and will be a great compliment to Michael Thomas. And it automatically makes, makes the Saints better offensively, you would think, because Marquez Callaway, who I think wasn't a number two, will now be more comfortable being a compliment to those guys. And, you know, I just think, you know, Harris will be back next year. So they're going to be a really well-rounded uh, receiving core. And I love Trevor Penning. I mean, he seems like a guy that can step in and has that confidence and really that nastiness to play left tackle in the NFL. And Alante Taylor, as you said, you know, there's a need there in the secondary. He'll play corner, and he has that versatility that C.J. Garner-Johnson has. So in terms of feeling need and being aggressive, uh, you got to give the Saints a thumbs up. But the bottom line, Clint, you don't know how these guys are going to pan out until, you know, three or four years down the road. Oh, no, exactly. But it's the beauty of – radio and sports radio sports talk you have those instant reactions and you know it was something that I just I was blown away by how much I was hearing before the draft from the national media saying that the Saints were going to go focus in on a quarterback and just the Saints just basically went the Costanza went the exact opposite and just stuck with the guys that they needed to address needs on I think that speaks to how important Jameis Winston is towards this foundation they're trying to build for the future. Again, this is a team that had like missed the playoffs only because another team wound up costing them in the last game of the year 
before Sunday Night Football. Like the the Rams 49ers game cost you a playoff spot last year. Despite everything you dealt with in 2021, injuries, COVID, everything in between, with all the pieces coming back, I think there's no reason why Saints fans can't think playoffs are are on the horizon, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, this team after last season, I mean, let's face it, with all the COVID outbreaks and all the injuries, and I know all teams dealt with that, but the Saints dealt with it more than most teams, Clint, and Saints fans know that. You know, 58 different starters played. I mean, we can go down the list and make that tried Sean Payton in a lot of ways. But we could talk about winners and losers in this draft. A big winner is Jameis Winston because, A, you know, he gets the contract and goes into the draft and you're probably wondering if they're going to trade up and get another quarterback. Maybe they told him privately they wouldn't do that. But the fact that it's a weak quarterback class, I mean, if it wasn't a weak quarterback class, I know the Saints like Jameis Winston they don't love him. Maybe they would have tried to trade up and get a quarterback they really like, but because it was weak and because they didn't do that, to me it gives Jameis Winston a little more freedom that if he has that big year, he can really excel. And then on top of that, he's a winner because they get Alave, and that receiving core is going to be so good. I think the biggest question for the Saints now is, A, the defense is great. You would think the offensive line is going to be good with pending in there. The receiving core is going to be better. We just got to see how this Alvin Kamara suspension shakes out. You know, if it's really bad, that's that really is going to hurt the offense. I mean, let's face it, Mark Ingram's not getting any any younger, and they didn't have Michael Thomas a year ago. The fact that they could have Michael Thomas and Kamara together again was really promising. I think that's the biggest question mark for the Saints. What's going to happen with Alvin Kamara? Because I really like the draft. I really like the defense. And, you know, I think they're a better football team than they were to end the season. It's just Kamara. We'll see what happens. I think that's probably the most intriguing part of this now that we're starting to put the draft in the rearview mirror. Again, we have two picks left, but are we really going to see a all-star type player be there in the fifth and sixth round? Again, that's going to be something we'll talk about more three, four years down the road, how the Saints were able to get a really good player in that last day of the draft. But, Mike, I think we need to look at Alvin Kamara. How long do you think he could get suspended? Because I think the consensus from people that are just thinking about and theorizing, it's probably eight games, but there's a chance where we all know the Saints and Roger Goodell is not like smoking in the bandit sometimes where you could very well get hit with an even bigger suspension than some expect. Yeah, I just think it's the unknown, Clint. We don't know a whole lot. We do know that something happened and there's video of something happening and whatever happened doesn't seemingly uh, spell good news for Alvin Kamara. And it's been really quiet on his front in a lot of ways. And I think it's got to be at least, I mean, it's just hard to project this stuff. I want to say at least half the season, but we don't know. I just don't think it's good, whatever it is. And the hard thing about, you know, approaching this from a Saints perspective is it just seems like they can't keep everybody intact, whether it's losing Drew Brees or losing Michael Thomas or now losing Alvin Kamara. You know, every team deals with losing players, but these are very key players. I mean, when Drew Brees left the Saints, Alvin Kamara was the, you know, the face of the franchise. Let's face it. I mean, last season, he was the MVP of the team, MVP of the offense. And for him not to be there, that's that's huge for this football team. So I just think it's something to watch, and there's a lot of unknown. It's hard to speculate right now, but I just don't think it's going to be good. I don't think it's going to be good at all. Talk right now, Mike Neighbors, Neighbors Media Group. And, you know, looking at the way this group, the Saints team has started to kind of form together. You didn't see a whole lot of moves in free agency, but they were able to kind of 
free up some cap space, fit things together, there's a potential still out there. Jarvis Landry could still be available. Even the Honey Badger, if if somehow, some way, the money's right. Because from what I've been hearing, $20 million is his asking price. Maybe that's a little too much for the New Orleans Saints. But what if there's like a Jarvis Landry available? That could e- help out the Saints offense even more and not necessarily having to rely as much on the run game as you did during those like late Drew Brees years. Because that was something I noticed a lot was the more Drew Brees' arm strength started to, started to go down, the run game started to be utilized a lot more where it was more, I'd say, 60-40 run pass versus, let's say, in those 2014-16 to 16 years, it was like probably 70-30 more like it. Yeah, I still, to me, Jarvis Landry would be nice. Uh, Tyron Matthew would be nice. I think Matthew would take precedence over over Landry. I still would would like to look at a running back, though, as an insurance policy for Kamara. Maybe look at a veteran that could complement Mark Ingram. Because when Drew Brees was at his best, even during the Super Bowl years, that offense was balanced. And I think that's when you know, every offense is, is the most dangerous. Even though the running back has been diminished somewhat uh, over the last few years, I would like to look at a veteran running back to bring in just to compliment Ingram. I need an insurance policy for Alvin Kamara because I really like the receiving core with Thomas being back with Olave. And you have Traquan Smith and you have Callaway to compliment those guys. Landry would be nice. I'd rather have a running back right now than an extra toys wide receiver. I'd agree with you, especially after missing out on, on a brisker out of Penn State because that was a guy I think the Saints, yeah. if, if they had just – if the Bears hadn't just snatched him up, it would have been like on a silver platter. This draft probably would have been an A to an A plus. And you know, Dennis Allen, his first year, it's setting up really nicely. And you know, probably a lot of people wouldn't have thought about that going back. I'd say a couple months ago, where things just look to be uncertain. You, the team, continues to be in, in cap hell. Sean Payton retires. Dennis Allen kind of takes over and is trying to just keep this culture together. I think this draft is at first towards Dennis Allen maybe kind of wiping away some of the the bad look he had at his previous head coaching stop and really evolving as a head coach. Well, I think the one thing we see in this draft is uh, with or without Sean Payton, they're going to be aggressive. And I love the aggressiveness. I love you know the trade with Philadelphia because I think they knew that they had players in mind in that range. And they thought if, if we get those two picks – you know, we're going to get those players, and that's exactly what happened. They knew Olave was there, so they moved up. And I, I don't mind any of those moves because I think they still have a football team. Unlike a lot of teams around the NFL, the reason they brought in a new coach is because the team was horrible. The only reason they have Dennis Allen is because Sean Payton retired. So they know they still have a good football team, especially defensively. So the upgrades they made on offense were very good. The big question marks? Jameis Winston, Alan Kamara, and we'll find out shortly in a matter of months if uh, those question marks turn to exclamation points, especially Winston. I mean, Winston doesn't have any more excuses. Uh, you know, was playing well last year until the injury, knows the system, has weapons, and, you know, it just seems like, you know, the, the clock is ticking on Jameis Winston to prove he can be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. But this draft has set himself up nicely. It would help him more, though, if he could get Kamara. So we'll hopefully find out the answers shortly on that, too. Mike, appreciate you coming on. As always, my man, talk to you down the road. And anytime you're in downtown, anytime you're downtown Lafayette or uptown Lafayette, wherever, let me know. We'll grab a bite. 
Absolutely, my brother. I appreciate you having me. All right, Mike Neighbors, everybody. Appreciate him joining the program as always. Talking some New Orleans Saints fresh off of, you know, I think one of the better two days of the NFL draft the Saints have had in a hot minute. Because I think, again, y'all listened to me last year lose my damn mind over the fact they drafted Ian Book the way they did. In the, I can remember vividly seeing that pop up on my feed. Damn near wanted to puke on the air. Fast forward one year, the Saints team has gotten the draft picks right. Year one, like last year, it was probably one of the worst drafts just on paper, instant reaction wise. Benefit of sports radio. You react instantly. The Peyton Turner pick didn't look that great. Still doesn't. It's kind of the the jury's out on it right now because he was injured a good bit. But at the same time, it did what it needed to do in a dr- and kind of get a fire underneath Marcus Davenport's ass and get things done. I just want to see how quickly that can change in the next, let's say, year or so. How does Peyton Turner fit in this offense, or this defense, I should say, because I would hate to see a guy within two years going from being a first-round pick and a guy that I think the Saints love to have just not be part of the team. That's kind of where it's I, it sits with me with Peyton Turner. How does he fit into the grand scheme of things? I mean, Cam Jordan's not getting any younger, but he's still performing at a very high and consistent clip. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out as well. But we'll wrap up the show next with a final take. And we're looking ahead to the 2023 NFL draft with this last take. It's not controversial, but I think it's something that's going to be factual. And it's actually going to be a take that'll either be hot or it'll be ice cold for once. But we'll be back after this. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD, and we just have one more take before I get out of here. Go enjoy some festival. Go enjoy some NFL draft. Enjoy some great baseball on this fine station. LSU baseball coming up. 1.30 pregame, 2 o'clock first pitch. Chris Blair will be on the call of the action. Hope you have a great weekend. Before we get to that one final take again, we're moving from 9 to 11 next weekend into the foreseeable future. This show's gotten shuffled around in terms of time slots, more times than an iPod, but 9 to 11 starting next week. So make sure you adjust your schedule. And if you miss anything, don't worry. We got you covered there. Just search for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Under the Dome with CD. One final take, though. We go towards the NFL draft and look forward into 2023. As much as I hate all these way-too-early mock drafts, I'll just name one player in particular. Based off of what I've seen from this NFL draft, the trend is I think next year is going to be more of an offensive-minded year, especially with one guy in particular, Kayshawn Butte. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. He will be a top-five pick in the 2023 NFL draft. If I'm wrong, so be it. But I think that guy has proven himself to be a like valuable player, 
akin to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson's of the world. There's no doubt in my mind he is going to be a top five pick in 2023. Now, if he gets injured, of course, that's going to throw a wrench into things. Maybe. Look at Derek Stingley Jr. He got injured. Top five pick. Top three pick to the Houston Texans. And I doubt in my mind a guy like Kayshawn Butte is going to probably going to be a top five pick in next year's NFL draft. Because I wouldn't be surprised if it's more offensive-centric. This year was a lot more defensive-minded because the defensive pool was about as deep as the Grand Canyon. Appreciate everybody for listening in. Again, be back here next week, but at a new time from 9 to 11, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Peace.